Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about how lives are changed. And if that's you, let us know and send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now enjoy today's message. I want to go ahead and jump right into what I feel like God gave me. And I'm going to do my best to articulate it to you. Is it all right if I kind of preach like loud and fast today? Is that okay? All right, I have your permission. So don't get mad at me when I do what you said I could do. Joshua chapter 3 and uh, verse 1. I'm going to read a pretty good chunk of scripture uh, from the NIV. Most of you know it as the New International Version, but up where I come from, we know it as the North Idaho Version. Therefore, it is our favorite version. <laughs> verse 1, I believe it's going to be on the screen as well, the Jumbotron Bible behind me. It says this, early in the morning. Now, it's not as early anymore. Y'all had your coffee yet? All right, you're ready to go, you're leaned in, you're going to shout your preacher down, make me feel like home, say something like, go on with it. I come from a church where if you really get going, sometimes people even stand up, make that ugly face like, mm. we, we do that sometimes. If you want to try it out, you know. But let's, let's have a rule. If one person claps, don't make them feel like a weirdo. If one person claps, we all got to clap. Is that all right? There we go. All right, now early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out. Now, I'm going to have to pronounce this, the name of this place, but as you can see, we're Christians, and we don't cuss, and so I've got a problem here. Shittim. <laughs> that, that work all right? Okay. They set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never gone this way before. I feel like that's in season for somebody. You're about to go somewhere that you've never gone before. But don't worry, God's with you. And it says, but keep at a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it because... We've all seen Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and we know that if you go close enough to the Ark, your face will melt. Okay. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, is that biblical? I don't know. <clears throat> Verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do, God's about to do something amazing among you. So get ready. Get ready. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up, went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out from before you. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Cellulites. So he's just like, I receive that. Yes. Oh, Holy Ghost. <laughs> See the Ark of the Covenant of them, of then. Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. As soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan. Everybody say, set foot. Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to say let's conclude our reading right there today. But I wonder if you would not help me, help this preacher out today, announce the title of my sermon to somebody around you. And, and I want you to kind of like 
like put it on for a moment and, and kind of get in your acting mode and look them up and down like you're just like sick and tired of them and, and just be like, you know what, that's it. And then tell them, I'm putting my foot down. Okay, nobody did it. Let's try it again. <laughs> look at somebody else. That's it. I'm putting my foot down. I'm putting my foot down. All right, there we go. I see a few of you, you ain't, you ain't budging. That's all right. We're going for like 75% participation. I'm putting my foot down. Can we, can we pray together in God's house today? Jesus, we love you so much in this place. We're so thankful, God, that for so many of us, you've called us out of darkness and into light. And God, we're just reminded that you're up to something good, that you're a good God. And even when life is bad, yet God, you are good. And I, God, I, just, I just speak over Velocity Church, and I just declare by faith, God, and by what you've put in my spirit, that the best is yet to come, that there are greater days yet ahead, greater impact to be seen in Lawrence and beyond. And God, for individuals in this place, I pray that you would do what you always do when your church gets together. You would encourage the discouraged. God, you would heal the bodies of the sick. You would make a way where there is no way. And God, I pray for anybody that's here in this worship encounter with you that doesn't yet know you as their Savior, I pray that even by the close of our time together, they would know that you call them by name, that they might call on your name, the name of Jesus, and be saved. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, hey, I have to tell you, Velocity Church, that I was raised in a great family and had great parents, and therefore, you know, as a result, I was just a great kid, me and my sibling, you know, like, just never doing anything wrong, always just, like, having Bible studies, you know, and Asking my mom, like, are there any extra chores we can do around the house? I'm lying. We were not like that at all. We were, we were horrible. I've, I've got four kids now. And to be real, looking back, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know how my mom made it through. Because she was trying to raise us up in church, but we were acting like some heathens, y'all. And, and my mom, you know, we'd get to acting up. And how many know that in the summer, when kids get bored, kids get bad? Come on, moms. And... And we didn't have Netflix, and we didn't have YouTube and devices that we could bring around with us and be entertained at all times from the moment we wake to the moment we go to sleep. I don't know if that's all that good anyway. But, like, if we were, if we were lucky, my mom might have taken us to Blockbuster Video. Some of y'all are too young to even know what Blockbuster is. But can I tell you, once you've watched Harry and the Hendersons 30 times, you're back to boredom. And my mom was, she was great, and she loved us, and I'm so, th but like she was old school. In the 80s, you know, when a mom would be getting mad, she, she'd just be looking around for like a weapon, you know. She'd grab like a spatula or something and just, but there, but there was a point, though, that when, when we crossed a line, we would know it because my mom is like, her demeanor would change, and she would not be shouting at this point. How many know moms can get scary when they get quiet? And it's like there's that mom voice that will, to this day, send a, a shiver up your spine. And, and, and you know, her eyes would change, and, and we'd be looking at each other like, oh, shoot, we went, gone, and done it now. And she, and, and she would inevitably say something along the lines of, that's it? I'm putting my foot down. And I wonder if there's somebody here today that is about to experience a moment where you realize and recognize that the enemy has been pushing you around and holding you out of what God wants to bring you into for long enough and a change is about to wash over your spirit and you're about to say, that's it, I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> 
I want to take a look at, at this time in Israel's history where Joshua and, and the people of God, the Israelites, they're coming out of what they've been, like they've been in slavery, they've been in a place of bondage, and, and they've come out of bondage, but they have not yet come into blessing. And for a lot of us here today, God has brought us out of something. Like God maybe has brought you out of addiction. Maybe God has brought you out of depression. God has brought you out of the shame that came in, in, along with your divorce. And, and God has brought you out of your past. But can I tell you that as good as all of that is, and, and it's right to celebrate that and to praise God for it, it's only 50% of God's promise. Because we have a God that doesn't just bring us out, but brings us in. Doesn't just bring us out of bondage, but into the land of our blessing. Doesn't just bring us out of our pain, but brings us in to a purpose. And somebody here today, you've come out, but baby, it's time to come in. It's time to come in. And in order to truly understand the significance and the symbolism and the meaning behind this miracle, we have to remember that they have wandered in the hot, sweaty, come on, humid, like it's humid in Kansas City. Y'all know that? Every time I walk outside, something hits me. But they, they have spent an entire generation wandering in the Sinai Desert. And if you look at a map, I'm telling you, it's kind of depressing because they basically walked in circles. Like, people walking around, Moses, haven't we seen that tree before? Moses like, shut up and keep walking. <laughs> I, I wonder if you've ever been there in life where you feel like you're walking in circles around and around and around. I mean, I know maybe you haven't wandered around the Sinai Desert. I don't think anybody's been there. But I'm talking spiritually, emotionally. In, in some area of your life, it's like, I, I've been here before. I can't believe I'm back here again. I thought I was done with anger issues. I, I thought God had set me free. But it's like, now I blew up on my spouse again. And how much longer are they going to put up with me? Because I don't even want to put up with me. Around and around and around, and, and, and I thought I was done with the depression, and I got up, and, and I was doing all right, and I was going to work, but here I am on Sunday again, and I'm stuck in bed. I, I'm going around and around. I thought I was done living in debt. I stopped buying $7 coffees to the glory of God. Come on, somebody. But then that devil called Nordstrom had a sale, and now my visa bill is higher than ever, around and around. Have you, ever, have you ever been on a carousel? It's like all that movement up and down, and, 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 and there's no progress, and you keep ending up back in the same place. And maybe this is not for everybody, but I do feel like it's for somebody. And it's kind of why I came all the way from North Idaho to Lawrence, because I felt like somebody needed to hear God say this. You're done wandering around in the desert, and you're about to cross over into your destiny. It's time to cross over. But in order to cross over, you have to put your foot down. Chapter 1 of this, this same book of Joshua, God is, God is dealing with and speaking to, to Joshua, the upcoming leader of the nation of Israel, and God says, take heart, be courageous, because I'm going to be with you, and, and wherever you set your foot, there I will be with you. Wherever, you, wherever you set your foot. 
And I just wanted to take pause today and maybe remind somebody because I know that, that probably all of us on some kind of theological you know, cognitive kind of level, understand that God is with us, but I want you to get it down a little bit deeper into your spirit that God is with you. And not just in the moments where you're like on third row, you know, praising God like this, and, and, and not just in the moments where you're having your devotional time, but God is with you everywhere that you set your foot. And so if, if this week you have to set your foot into the courtroom because you, you had some trouble in your past, can I tell you that it's not just your state-provided attorney that's going to be in the courtroom with you, but when you walk into the courtroom, God walks into the courtroom, and maybe, and maybe you got laid off from your job, and you're trying to make ends meet, and you've got three kids, and can I tell you that it's not just you standing in the unemployment line, but when you set your foot into that line, God is in that line with you, and when you walk into the bank, and you want to get a loan for the business God has put in your heart, you're not walking in just on your credit, but God walked in with you, and God's got a better credit score than you do, and God's about to co-sign on your dream. I told you I was going to preach it loud, Velocity. I'm just, I'm just trying to remind somebody. I know you know this, but I'm trying to remind you that where you go, God goes. Wherever you set your foot. And as great as a leader as Moses was, come on, we all love Mo. Moses had a way of leading the people in circles. And God says, enough with the circles. It's time to cross. It's time to experience something that you've never experienced before. It's time for a new season, but you have to be willing to put your... Sometimes in life and, and in your walk with God and, and in your walk into God's purpose on your... Sometimes you got to get a little bit like my mom was back in the 80s, and you got to just say, enough is enough, and you got to put your foot down. So sometimes, sometimes you got to get something in your spirit where, where, you're, where you're able to say, you know what, devil, I've had it. You've pushed me around long enough, and I'm about to push back. And I know it doesn't sound very spiritual or very Christian, and, and I'm going to say it anyway because I feel God on it. Sometimes the motivation you need is to get downright mad. Like, devil, I'm done with you messing around with my kids. I'm putting my foot down. Devil, I'm done with you messing around in my marriage, and we used to date, and we used to be in love, but somewhere along the way, it's like a business transaction. But, devil, today, I'm putting my foot down. I'm taking my marriage back. I'm done walking in circles. I'm about to cross over into God's calling. I felt like God said it to me this way in the coffee shop the other day. And maybe it was just the caffeine, but I think it was God. <laughs> Three coffees in, God's speaking to me. <laughs> I, I, felt like, I felt like God, it's not like an audible voice, but I felt like God dropped this in my spirit. That, that sometimes before you can step into the promised land, you have to get really sick of all the sand. Enough with the blisters on my feet. Enough with the hot sand. It's time to possess the promised land. So God says, go and stand in the Jordan, but, but when you put your foot down, the waters that have stopped you will be stopped. Oh, this is so good. God says, if you put your foot down, I'll stop what's been stopping you. I'll hold back what's been holding you back. 
So I want to talk to somebody in here. You used to be a dreamer. And you had God dreams on the inside of you. And, and it, they were the size dreams that, that were so big that you would tell your friends about it and they would laugh at you. But you didn't even care because you know God had put it in your heart. But then life happened. And all of a sudden it's like, like you're held back from dreaming. You're held back from praying big prayers, the kind of prayers that, that, that people are like, are, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I just know the Christ. And, and something has been holding you back. But God says, if today you put your foot down, I'll hold back what's been holding you back. There's about to be a change. You know what, you know what the people had to do as a prerequisite to crossing over into the promise and possessing the promise? They had to break camp. They, they, they had to break camp. That's what verse 14 tells us. The people broke camp. And camp is what's comfortable. Camp is what you've known. Camp is, well, I'm going to show up to church. I'm going to leave church. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. Camp is, is doing, I'm, I'm going to break camp. That's doing something new. And you know what else breaking camp means? It means there might be some people that have some perspectives that are holding you out of God's promise. And to break camp means I might have to leave behind some relationships if I want to get real enough with God to step into all that God has for my life. And now you're like, but, but preacher, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And my call is to love people at all times. Can I tell you, there is a difference between caring about someone and camping with someone. I'm just, I just, I just know that God's going to get a hold of their life, and so I'm going to date them right into their destiny. <laughs> Come on. Oh, we just got quiet up in Velocity Church today. <laughs> like, like, no, they don't like, like know Jesus, like know Jesus, but I, like, I, I know. I know they're going to know Jesus. You are not pulling them up. They're pulling you down. And, 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 and it might be time. If you really want to say yes to God's call, you might have to break camp. The other day, I came home with all these groceries. You know, my wife loads me up, and I don't mind carrying in the groceries because I'm always like, yeah, I got this girl. Yeah, I can take another bag. And I'm like, no problem. I got, come on, has anybody ever been there? It's like your opportunity just to prove how amazing you are to your wife. So I'm carrying all these groceries. I'm trying to set them down. And then I open up the refrigerator door, and I realize that it's so full of everything that's old that there's no room for everything that I bought that's brand new. Has anybody ever been there? Like, you're looking and you're like, why is that jar of pickles still in here? There's one pickle floating in the top. That's nasty. Somebody throw that away. Can I say it really real today? Velocity, is that okay? I think for some of us, we've got some relationships in our life that are a lot like the expired milk in the back of the refrigerator. And God has something new, but there's no room because you're keeping everything and holding on to everything that's old and expired. And God says, it's time for it to go. You got to make room. Got to make room. And then, and then verse 15 really arrested my attention because, because I think verse 15 is a prophetic picture of where many of us feel we are today. And verse 15 speaks to the reason that so many of us feel like we're stuck on the wrong side of the river because verse 15 says that when they tried to cross, it's kind of like your river right now, the, the Kansas River, is that what it's called? It was at flood season. Like we drove past it the other day and I was like, I ain't crossing that river. Like that river's, that river's huge. And it was at flood season when they attempted to cross. 
How many know that it's so easy to say, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes. I'm really going to get healed. I'm going to get set free. I'm going to break loose. I'm going I'm to step into my calling. But, but God, not today. You know I got a lot going on. You know I, I'm building my career. I'm going I'm to get on the team and greet people at church and everything. But, but now, now is not my season. Like I'm just kind of in a me season. Anybody ever heard a Christian say that? I'm, just, I'm, I'm in a me season. <laughs> it's, it's just not the right time. Because, because for them, when they tried to cross this river, it was flood season. Any time would have been a better time than this time. But I don't think that God accidentally brought them to the edge of the river during flood season. It was like, oh, shoot, I didn't know it was flooding. Like, I, I don't think that God's looking down on our lives like, oh, sorry, I asked you to reach lost people and invite somebody. I didn't know how busy you were with ballet recitals. Never mind, it's flood season. I think this is a picture, and I think God this on purpose so that somebody today at Velocity Church could realize that when God has called you, you don't need the right conditions. Why save for tomorrow what God said you could have today? It was flood season, but, but I mean, let's just be logical about it. If God can stop any amount of water, can't God stop all the water? If God can heal a cold then maybe God can heal cancer. I mean, when Peter got out of the boat and, and, and was going to walk to Jesus, did it really matter if the water was three inches deep or 30 feet deep? I'm just trying to say that either God is God or not. Either God is who he says he is or isn't. But at some point we got to say, no matter what's going on, it might be flooding, but I've got a faith and I hear the voice of God calling, I'm about to cross. So, so this is going to be like discouraging and encouraging all at the same time. If you're waiting for better conditions, they're not coming. But here's the encouraging part. When you've got a calling, you don't need better conditions. See, a lot of us have lived in a way where we've been controlled by conditions. But can I remind somebody today that we serve a God that controls the conditions that have been controlling us. And God says, I'm in charge, and I know how to stop a river, and I know how to make a way, and I'm going to bring the right, come on, all the single people up in the place, I'll bring the right person at the right time, but I'm going to do it, and you got to trust me in order to cross. I mean, like, I, I want to... I saw the announcement screen, and I love that we do groups, and we're a church that gets bigger and smaller because we're building community. Like, I love that, and I, I want to, like, co-lead a group. Like, I, I know, like, I do, but my carpets are really dirty, and I haven't gotten them cleaned yet. And God's like, whew, never mind. Can I, like, just a suggestion, maybe God can still move through your life and build community even with your dirty carpets. Don't be a weirdo. I mean, clean up a little bit. Don't be a hoarder. Light a candle when people come over. But I'm just trying to say that if God has called you, you don't need to examine the conditions. Just say yes. God, I'll go. I'm your man. I'm your woman. God, I'm going to take a step. I'm putting my foot down. Now, let's look real quickly at verses 15 and 16, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to wrap it up, and, and I so appreciate 
uh, being with you today, Velocity Church. It's a great privilege to rehearse God's promises with you. And I just hope that you walk away with a little bit more faith today. Verse 15 and part of 16, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Now I want you to catch this. God didn't stop the river so the priests could step into it. The priests stepped into it so that God could stop the river. We get it backwards. We say, God, if you'd stop the river, I'd take a step. And God says, no, when you take a step, I'll stop the river. It's really easy to throw up our hands and excuses are cheap and to say, God, you know I would if, if I could. God, you know my heart and I would if I could. If, if I wasn't running around and if my schedule wasn't so full and if I wasn't so stressed and you know I got this new manager and, and God, I would if I could. And God says, no, you got it backwards. I'm, I'm the God that flips the script. And you've been saying you would if you could, but God is here today to say you could if you would. The river's raging. And God, God if, if you'll just stop the water, I'll take a step. And God says, take a step and I'll stop the water. Somebody, you've been waiting on God, but God has been waiting on you. And it's just when you take a few steps out into what you can't do that you're positioned to see what your God can do. And I'm telling you, if you want to see God do something impossible in your situation, you got to be willing to step into a situation that's impossible. See, for me, the church that I pastor, we were in a space on one side of town, 105 East Indiana, and, and God had added to the church, and we had outgrown the space, and then some, and, and so we, we signed a five-year lease on, on a building, an old hardware store that was on the other side of town. So you could say that, in a sense, we were, we were trying to cross over. It was about three miles away on the other side of town. So we took a step, and, 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 and we... We, we, we got our feet wet. That's what I wanted somebody to hear today. Maybe it's time for you to get your feet wet, to do something you've never done. Because after all, if you want to see what you've never seen, you've got to be willing to do what you've never done. Maybe it's time to get your feet wet, to, to, to take a step, to get your feet wet. And, and so we got our feet wet, and we, we took a step out into it, and we signed this lease. And then we were in the middle of this Massive remodel project, and we did our best to estimate how much it was going to cost and all of that, but in my mind, at least three times, if, if not more, during this process, the building team called me, and they were like, um, hey, so, uh, Pastor, um, just want to let you know, keep you updated, uh, we're completely out of funds, and of course, you know, I'm a pastor, I better, I better respond by faith. So I'm like, well, just, just use the drywall we got, you know. Well, we got some nails left. Just put those in some, like, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't build. I'm like, use those nails. But I would hang up the phone. I'd be like, God, I've taken enough steps out into the water that it's like if I take one more step, it's like the, the, the rush of the water is going to sweep me away. 
And every time we got out into that place where it's like if we take one more step, it's like I can't, I can't go back, but I, I can't take another. Every time, it's like God would show up, and as we took the step, as we put in one more nail, as we said, let's just keep building, let's put some paint on the walls, God would stop what was stopping us, and the funds would come through, and God would make a way, and it was like we moved from one side to the other side, and we crossed over. And I'm telling you, if you ever visit Coeur d'Alene, there's about three miles between 105 East Indiana and 1010 East Sherman. But when I look at that stretch of road, I don't see road. I don't see pavement. What I see is a dry riverbed. That when we got our feet wet and we stepped out into something, God showed up faithful and God stopped what was stopping us and we crossed over to the other side. And as I close with zero minutes on my clock, I have to wonder, those priests, you know, the ones that had to take that step and to make a way for people. And by the way, that's what's so critical about getting your feet wet because it's not just about you. It's about making a way so that other people can cross over from death to life. Because all the people were about to follow the priests. But I have to wonder that when they took that step out into the water, like where they were looking, because if it's me and I'm taking a step out into something difficult, something hard, something stressful, something that feels impossible, the natural inclination is, of course, to examine all the issues and, and to fix our hearts and our, our, our attention on the problem. But I have a theory. And you don't have to have the same theory, but I'm going to give you mine because I have the microphone. I have a theory that those priests that had the bold, audacious faith to take that step out into a rushing river, I don't think they were looking down at the river that represented their problem. I think the priests were like that psalm that said, they lifted up their eyes to the hill where their help comes from. I think they weren't looking at their problem, but they were gazing across the rushing river at God's promise. Just across the river was all that God said. Just across the river was that land flowing with milk and honey. Just across the river was the fulfillment of a generational promise. And I don't think they were looking at the problem. They were looking at the promise. And when you're looking at the promise, it becomes easy to take steps. God, I'm coming for what you said. I'm, I'm on my way. And Oh, but watch this though. As they looked at the promise and took some steps, by the time they looked back down, guess what disappeared? Their problem. Where'd all that water go? Oh, there it is up there. Come on, let's get to cross. And I'm telling you today, if you'll just fix your eyes on Jesus and take a few steps by faith, your problem's about to disappear. That sickness in your body is about to disappear. Those problems in your marriage are about to disappear. God's about to stop what's been stopping you. Somebody say amen.